Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. We are here on a beautiful day here in uh, Florida. I'm so, and I got to meet a fan of the show this morning. She came by the studio to meet me and say how the interview with Brandon Webb on Mastering Fear that I did a few weeks ago. And she doesn't yet have a smartphone, and she's in between computers, so she couldn't figure out how to listen to the show. So I may start creating transcripts of the purchase DVDs with a series of shows on it. If it's something you think you might be interested in, let me know, because I'm creating one just for her. So Hillary, thanks for listening to the show so much and, and enjoying it and coming by, because I love to meet my fans, my listeners, those of you who are wanting to learn and grow by asking the right questions. And I'm here today with, well, not physically here, because she is virtually in Orlando at the Land of the Map, not too far away, two hours away, but she's been on this book tour. Owner of her, known her for over, I think, 15, 20 years when I had my geek business, Guardian Angel Computer Services, and she just released this book that, to me, everybody needs to read if you're serious about your business. I've got Tiffany Bova on the show today, and she is a Salesforce growth expert and innovation evangelist for uh, salesforce.com and author of Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. And this is one of the blogs everybody, but you know, since I've been doing the show, I have to because there's so much great data in here and I just keep these books in the day. Thanks for being on the show today. No, oh, well, thank you for having me. And it's really great to talk to you again after all these years. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. You know, we used to see each other once, twice a year, every time you were speaking on stages when you were formerly with Gartner Group, doing all of that amazing work you did, telling everybody what the trends are and what's happening. And I love that you finally wrote a book. Apparently, everyone has been waiting. It was this, you know, I get off stage like, do you have a book? Are you going to write a book? Do you have a book? And finally, you know, after 10 years, you go, all right. I think I need to write a book. Well, you know what I think is funny? Because inside your book, you share the 10 paths to growth and how you can combine them and do different things. And you're not writing that book for 10 years, just said you weren't listening to your customers, which is one of your 10 paths to growth. Yes. You know, I think it was a couple of things. I never thought I was a writer. You know, I I sort of have made my career on speaking and talking and advising verbally, right, versus uh, writing. And so when I got to Gartner Group, you know, of course, as you know, we, have, we write research. And so I had to get better at writing. Uh, and so I think it warmed me up for writing the book. But had I done tried to do the book before my, my work at Gartner, I don't think it would have worked. <laughs> You know, it might not have, although I have some friends that help people write their books by speaking their books. Maybe you just need to I speak did. your book. Which is, <laughs> which is what I did and recorded it. And uh, and then I actually did the audio version of the book as well. So I can now uh, honestly say I have read my book cover to cover out loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting experience, isn't it? Because when I did my audio book of my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way, it was... I got new insight as well, because as I'm reading my book out loud in the booth, I'm like, oh, and they're like, no, 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 you can't say that. You can't like have this aha moment as you're reading your book. You just got to read your book. 
<laughs> or you can't correct grammar. Or yeah. the, oh, I didn't really want to say it that way. Yeah, you can't do any of that. You're, it's a, <laughs> yeah, I think at one point during my audiobook, I actually said, and and for those of you on who have only heard the audiobook, this part's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> I added like this whole opening thing that was completely different from me. From what we do on is we help our listeners who entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, meaning they work inside another company and perhaps are trying to grow perhaps a business niche in there or their own role inside the company, ask different kinds of questions to, to grow. And I'm fascinated by growth paths. And the reason I'm so fascinated is because it's simple, yet it's something that I've found when I consult with my business clients, they don't seem to get. So can you about how you came up with these 10 paths to growth in your book? Yeah, it, it, originally when I started Path of Saying that I wanted to write the book, I, I went on my own sort of mission of learning what was already out there in the market. And of course, as, as many people who, who are listening uh, today, you know, we all read books. And if for business, uh, I had consumed so many over the course of my career, I said, you know, I want to reread them. And what do I feel really stood out to me? What do I feel is missing? Now that I had this new sort of level of understanding after spending, you know, 10 years advising very, very large companies and seeing uh, very complicated sort of growth issues uh, come to fruition and how do you navigate through them. And so I read almost 100 books. And then I said, all right, like you, dog-earing, making notes, you know, what, what did I like, what didn't I like? And then I decided that I really wanted to write a book that I would want to read I'm more of a visual listen learner than a read learner, so I wanted to try to make it uh, consumable and understandable, and I think that's where the 10 paths really came to, came to light, because, you know, you can't say there's 185 ways to grow, number one, you know, right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know so it had to be something digestible that, that people could say, okay, I feel like I can consume this, and, and I could action it. Well, what got me is a minimum of a book a week minimum because any one of my um, guests on my show that has a book I read it cover to cover and then sometimes I have to catch up because I know some of the books are going to take longer and then I like to read for myself not just for my show and other business books but what was different about yours for me was it took sort of the in search of excellence the uh, good to great a little bit of the anticipatory organization by Daniel Burris. If you haven't recommended it, I haven't read it. I highly recommend it. Um, some of the go giver influencer, mastering fear, and it took all that and gave it this slant of, you know what? There's no one thing. You have to find what works for you, and it could be a combination. That to me was really interesting, Tiffany, because it's not just one thing. But yet all of, so many people in business, oh, we have to have the one thing. So what do you say to somebody who goes, well, you have to have the one thing other than read this book, Growth IQ? Well, so maybe it's because they do what seems doable. You know, they look for one problem area to fix, the one big initiative it can take to boost quickly or even repeat, uh, you know, a number, a growth strategy that, strategy that, that has worked for them in the past. The last tactic is particularly insidious, right? Because companies often rely on strategies that work for them once. 
but which may have outlived their purpose and no longer have the desired impact in the current market conditions and context. And so that was the aha for me, you know, both through my work advising customers as well as speaking around the world, was everyone would come up and say, what can I do to fix my numbers right now? And you knew they were asking, what's the one thing I can do? And through the research and through all my conversations over time, I really realized that that was the uniqueness of when companies saw success. It was never just one thing. It was that they did the one thing that maybe the customer felt or realized or their competition was benchmarking, but there was a bunch of things that happened behind the scenes in combination with that decision that people notice that actually makes it more successful. And that was really the formula for the book. And I think that's what everyone seems to be really um, grabbing onto is that they understand now that they've been looking for, searching for that one thing that's going to fix it. And now they realize that it, it isn't just one. When I was reading the book, one of the things that hit me was everybody thinks it's one thing because they think of the last thing that seemed to get done before like the numbers went through the roof or your business grew exponentially. And that had never hit me before, Tiffany, that we think of it as that last thing, right? You know, when you lost something, where do you find it? The last place you look? Well, yeah, but there could have been 10 more places and the last place can always change. And your book began to show me that we need to stop thinking about that last thing and think about everything that led up to that last thing. Am I making sense? Yeah, and, and that's what I really call context in the book. And, and I think that that's something that people miss as well. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of projects with companies where they're like, you know, I want you to go benchmark my competition because we want to make sure that we're doing everything that they're doing or we want to understand why they're seeing growth. Uh, and that benchmarking project may tell them you know, what they're, what they're doing, but they're not giving what it didn't give usually was the context of the market, meaning that's something that's very unique to a particular company. What products do you sell? What customers do you sell to? What customers are attracted to your brand? What have your customers been telling you along the way that others would not know? But where have you seen price bands work, not work, promos work, not work? Like all that kind of context should go into your decision-making, and that's something that other companies, it's impossible for them to, to replicate or, or even compare themselves again. And so your competitive differentiation is the context, and to your point, it is the last place you left your keys or whatever it might be, right, the last place you saw growth, but it's everything else along that uh, that they cannot, there's no way they can have the same uh, set, of cir- set of circumstances. All right, and with that thought, we're going to go to our first commercial break. We're here with Tiffany Bova, author of Growth IQ, a book you really need to grab as soon as you can, everybody. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Elisa with Mullinary Pools. We've been serving the smartest and greatest pool owners for over 22 years. Your family has a lot invested in your pool. Our family has a lot invested in you enjoying it. Our team of professionals includes Eric and Tommy, whose extensive knowledge, courteous service, and four decades of experience can solve your pool problems, help you save money, and navigate through whatever service issues arise. Mike and Andrew and our entire team of cleaning pros provide exceptional service so you can simply enjoy your pool. 
Let the Molinari Pools family serve yours by calling us at 772-778-2633 for all your swimming pool needs, even safety barriers. Again, that's 772-778-2633. When it comes to my eyes or the eyes of my friends or family members, who do I trust? Center for Advanced Eye Care. I have for 15 years now. Dr. Mallon, Dr. Schnell, Dr. Katz, Dr. Gadadaday, Dr. Brannigan. Center for Advanced Eye Care. I wouldn't send you anywhere. I wouldn't go myself. Center for Advanced Eye Care. Skin cancer is no laughing matter. You should have a full body scan every year at Treasure Coast Dermatology with Dr. Tim Ionides over on 37th. That's right. Take care of yourself and your skin will take care of you. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. Tiffany, before the commercial break, which my podcast listeners don't hear, but those of us listening live on iHeartRadio do hear the commercials, we were, you were talking about context in your book and how important it is to know that your business isn't exactly like somebody else's business and you need to sort of apply it to your own and take what you can and, and change it. I want to make sure that my listeners understand something very, what I think is very basic but important for the next part of our conversation. How do you define growth? Well, in this particular case for Growth IQ, I was very specific in top-line growth, so revenue, sales, not uh, M&A, so not going out and getting uh, new revenue by buying or purchasing another company or uh, merging, so not from that, that kind of growth, and then not, not growth from cutting, the, uh, cutting costs. So this was absolutely about top-line sales growth, if you will. That's how I defined it for this book. Okay, so then we take that with context, and then you have 10 paths to growth. I'm, I'm just going to say them really quickly. We're, we don't have time for the length of the show to go to all of them, but customer experience, customer base penetration, market acceleration, product expansion, customer and product diversification, diversification, optimized sales, turn, partnerships, co-optition, and unconventional strategies. And for everybody, go buy the book, and you can get details on all these. But t- one of the ones that really got to me, Tiffany, and after I understood context as the way you did it in the book, was this whole concept of combining paths to growth. And I think that's something that a lot of my listeners don't really understand. They feel like, oh, we have to go down one way, so we're just going to focus on um, customer satisfaction, or we're just going to focus on adding new customers, or... um, I love co-optition as well, working with somebody else to expand your, your market penetration. Can you explain to us about what you mean by combining growth paths? Sure. So if you, so if you think about what you just said, where you said, we're just going to focus on customer satisfaction, let's just say. And so that would fit nicely into the customer experience path, uh, which, was, was, which was path number one in the book. 
is you cannot deliver a, a stellar or memorable customer experience or deliver strong uh, customer service unless you also focus on the people and employees that you hire and the training and the systems and the tools that you deliver them. If you just stand up and say, you know, we're going to focus on customer satisfaction and customer experience and we're a customer-led company and it's, that's what's important to us, and everyone goes, okay, great, and they go back to their desk and they do the exact same thing they did yesterday, you're not accomplishing your goal. And so you either have to say, what does customer experience or customer satisfaction, what's that definition for us as a company? And then are we setting our employees up, our people, what, which are really a company's most important assets, uh, if, are you setting them up for success? And do they have a need to deliver this exceptional experience to the customer? And so that's what I mean by the combination of the two things. One can't sit in isolation. I mean, at the end of the day, hopefully at the end of the book, people realize this interconnectedness of decisions that get made and the implications that it has in other parts of the company, you know, and more broadly to the people who are actually delivering uh, whatever it is that that decision is from a growth perspective. So from a combination you know, you have to think about it that one thing rarely stands on its own, and we started this conversation with it's never just one thing, and that's why combination was such a powerful point I needed to make in the book. I've not had any other book that I've read talk about combination. They always seem to focus right. on one thing, and, and that's what sets you apart. In the book, you share stories from some of the top companies in the world, some that are becoming incredibly successful, like like Amazon, and others that were the, the icon in the world and are failing, like Sears. And, you know, I've talked about Sears on my show many, many times because I just don't get why they couldn't get it. <laughs> you know, they owned the whole digital market before it was called digital. It was called their, their, um, their catalog. And then they couldn't make the leap. Why do you think it is that some of the companies can't seem to understand these growth paths and just completely miss it? Well, there's a couple things, and, and not ones we should overlook very quickly. You know, a company the size of Sears, from the outside looking in, we can, why didn't they do this, right? That's a very big uh, business with hundreds of thousands of employees and, right. you know, all kinds of legacy infrastructure that has to be transformed and transitioned and modernized in many ways. And that's very hard work. So there's, there's definitely a, a, a slice of companies in the book that are new, that have been able to take advantage of a lot of the things that are available to us today, digital, the cloud, social, mobile, you know, like the example of Kylie Jenner, you know, building a business, uh, $600, $650 million with less than 20 employees in less than three years was absolutely due to the power of social social media, social marketing, social networking. And, and you couldn't have done that 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It wouldn't have been possible. So I wanted to give a slice of companies who are well-established with big assets and how they've had either struggled or persevered, as well as ones that are new. And so if you're listening and you're a business that is relatively new, you should be completely maximizing and taking advantage of all the things that are available to you today that maybe your competition who started 10 or 15 years ago did not have at their disposal. You don't have all those assets that you need to worry about uh, you have started hopefully leaner than they have and are able to uh, drive change much more quickly and be much more agile. And so I wanted to give those two scenarios, you know, two sides of the coin of it's a net new business or it's one that's established. And Sears clearly is very established. I mean, I think the catalog, to your point, 
was absolutely the first Amazon catalog. And a lot of things Sears did, just Amazon did it in the cloud and did it with smartphones and tablets and books and, you know, and did it with Echo and Alexa, not Maytag and the hard batteries, right? I mean, there's just, there's a lot of similarities between what they did. Um, but I'm going to go back to, it was the context of the time of when Sears grew up versus when Amazon grew up. So uh, that's not something we can take lightly. Do I think they made mistakes? Obviously, uh, I think that the market has, has shown that they've made some mistakes. But I also think they did some things right. Uh, I just think that um, they fell under the weight of just their sheer size. Do you think that management has a lot to do, not just with Sears, but with other companies that can't seem to pivot when the market is going and they can't seem to shift from the growth path that they've been using to something else as the market's changing? Yeah, so challenges to growth have multiplied, no question. And the problem is that too many companies respond with a strategic business model and forget about the mental model. Growth strategy is a thinking game that works when you have the right mindset to inform the when, where, and why of every strategic move you make. And so in this case, for me, Greg Hugh is a lot to do with this mental model transformation so you can then rethink the business model. Going back to the Sears example, that was a mental model mistake, not a business model mistake. Um, you know, I, I think that there were things that they could have done had they been willing to understand the context of the market had changed, the customer and buyer had changed, that people weren't interested in potentially going to, um, you know, a huge retail establishment, you know, that they wanted this balance between online and offline, and they wanted smart, you know, and they owned, they owned the home, they owned the kitchen, they owned appliances, they could have owned the smart home for sure, and they just didn't make the right decisions, and that's much more about the mental model, which goes to your point. I know when I had my tech company, I didn't always pivot when I when I should have. I was just like, okay, our customers seem to like this, and we hit a flat couple of years of, of no growth whatsoever. And it took a while for me to see that we needed to make some shifts in, in our strategies. But it seems so easy to not see that. And when I was reading your book, I realized, Oh, those are my warning signs that I didn't see. So before we go, actually, we're going to head out to our national news break, and I don't want us to get um, cut off. So I'm going to pose this to all of the listeners that are listening live. You're listening on the podcast. I want you to write this down and think about this. As we go into national news, think about what is does your business look like right now? Where do you want it to be? And are you flat? Do you need to think about a different growth strategy? We'll be right back with more from Tiffany Bova, the um, author of Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. And I've known Tiffany for, gosh, 15, 20 years on stages. I highly recommend this book, but we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you're listening to us live, you just heard the national news. If you're listening to us on podcast, it was instantaneous, as you know. I say this all the time because I cut out the commercials in the national news. So you just get me and my guest for even longer. So it's very exciting. I'm here with Tiffany Bova, if you're just joining us, author of Growth IQ, Get Smarter About the Choices That Will Make or Break Your Business. And my regular listeners know that I only have people on whose books I've read and I really believe in what they're talking about 
and that get introduced to me by people I know. And I happen to know Tiffany from many, many events. I never had the opportunity to share a stage with her when I've done speaking. But she's just one of those rare people who has amazing insights. I love the way she thinks because she thinks so strategically. And like Daniel Burris, she seems to anticipate the trends that are going to be happening. So Tiffany, we were talking about this whole idea of combining different paths to growth and how people don't always see the forest through the trees, right? So they're sort of looking at their business and going, well, I'm flat. Our growth isn't expanding. I have to do something right now. How does somebody learn to look at what's going on in their business? What should they be monitoring so that they're not in that, oh my gosh, where growth is flat or it's declining. What do I do? What do I do? I have to cut costs. There's got to be a better way. And I know you talk about it in the book. Can you share your thoughts around that? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, the statistics are just against all of us in the sense that I think it's in the middle 80% range that all companies will go through a growth stall at some point and only a small percentage will recover. And so you should just, even if you're growing now, which is something I mentioned in the book, this is the best time for you to look for what's next because you're coming from a place of power versus a place, as you just described, right, panic, like, oh, my goodness, like, we're in a stall. What do we do? What's the one thing? Versus coming from a place of strength. And so if you're growing, anticipating and looking out across the market to say, going back to context, like, who are my customers today? Will that be changing? Are my Am I not capturing millennials as an example? Do I want to be and why aren't I? Is it because what's the reason? Or, uh, you know, is my customer base aging with me? And so what do I have for them next? You know, one of the examples in the book is The Honest Company. And Jessica Alba, you know, had a product that was diapers, but that's a short-lived customer (laughs) because they only need diapers for a set amount of time, which means at the end of that, you know you're either not going to sell them anything or you better start expanding your product so you have something to sell them when they no longer need diapers. So at the end of the day, you know, that's this uh, making sure that you take the time and going back to this mental model. If you, out of the gate, know that it's going to be bumpy and growth is never going to be consistently a hockey stick of going up and you may have seasonality, you may have uh, rules and regulations if you're in a highly regulated industry that you're always having to deal with. But at the end of the day, it's your job to stay on top of who's your customer, what do they want, how do they want to buy, do you have the right products, do you have the right people working, are you giving them the right tools and systems. And so it, it, is, it cannot be an annual planning. You need to get much more thoughtful uh, about the decisions that you make. Okay, so what are some questions that businesses, my listeners, can start saying to themselves before the growth stall or fall happens to get to think? Yeah, fantastic question, because I tell you that the book originally had questions, actually, at the end of each path. So it was kind of like a Monday morning huddle, you know, so here's the set of questions, take it to your team meeting, ask everyone the questions, go away, get the answers, come back, and then maybe the path would have different meaning to you. And uh, the funny thing when I said I wasn't really a writer is 
the book got too long. So we had to we had to we had to cut some stuff out. So what we ended up doing was we're making it uh, an ebook that'll be available on tiffanybova.com backslash growth IQ and so it'll have all the questions there. But ultimately you're right. This is about a set of questions and it goes back to that context. And even if you start at the basics, who are my customers? Why do they buy from me? And just those two questions, then I would follow that up with, do you have a way to actually capture that information? So, of course, I work at salesforce.com, so we're a very large customer relationship management, CRM, sales and marketing company that powers a lot of the businesses on these very questions. But you have to have something. So there has to be a way for you to capture customer information. And, and right now, data is king or queen. <laughs> And, and you have to be able to know that information and not just in your head because you want people to be able to action it based on the things that you know about them. Okay, so what kind of things do you want to know about your customers then? Well, so like I said, you know, why are they buying from you? Did they choose you because of price? Did they choose you because of value of the product that you offer? And so if people answer, well, they, they chose us because of price, that's a very tough road because if you think that lowering price is the way you keep capturing customers, at some point you're going to get into a problem where you're selling it for less than the profitability of the company can handle. So, you know, I'd start with what is, what is the price? Um, and then when I say who is your customer, I mean it much more systematic. So not, is it men or is it women? Is it, are they Gen X, Gen Z, baby boomers? Is that what it is? Are they retirees? You know, are they uh, avid readers? Because, you know, let's say you're selling books. Uh, do they like coffee in the morning? So you've got a coffee shop. You know, do they also want scones with their coffee and you're only selling coffee? So are you leaving things aside and are you opening the opportunity for uh, someone who has donuts and scones down the street to give coffee and now you've lost that coffee customer to them because they actually wanted scones? And I, I'm oversimplifying, but it always needs to be this curiosity of why your customers buy from you and what makes you different in the marketplace. And then, of course, there's 50 other questions, but if you can't answer the most basic of who your customers are and why do they buy from you, and I don't care if you're selling donuts or you're si selling jet engines and everything in between, uh, at the end of the day, that's the first question that many people do not know the answer to. Yeah, and I always find that fascinating that people don't know who their customer are and why they might want to buy from them because it seems so intrinsic to business, but yet so many people become accidental business owners, as I call them. They, they just knew something and somebody's like, oh, hey, I could use what you do, and you kind of grew accidentally. There was no planning involved. Have you seen that happen? Absolutely, and, and a lot of that goes back to, you know, I, I have a, many of my friends are entrepreneurs, and so, the, you know, I tend to be the person they come to, hey, we're trying to grow, or what do you think about this idea, of course, and which I love, but, you know, at the end of the day, when I start asking these questions, I watch the wheels turn in their head, and either one of two things happen. One, they start getting frustrated that I'm not telling them the one thing they need to do. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Which everyone's searching for, Just right? give me one thing. I can do that That's right the now. One thing, you know, and, and I, let, let me just pause on that for a second because historically companies will do sort of turn a couple of dials. One, let's spend more marketing money 
because we're feeling like growth is getting a little more difficult or sales is getting a little, a little more difficult. Let's spend more marketing money if they have the ability to do that. That's one dial they turn right away. The next dial they turn right away is let's just hire more salespeople because with every new salesperson, we get X amount of dollars. You know, we get $100,000 per head or a million dollars per head. Depends where you work. That ultimately, you feel, you feel like if I hire someone new, it takes them about 90 days to onboard and start selling. And so come 120 days, I'm now making more money so I can hire another salesperson. Or the third one is they start to cut costs. And it becomes a vicious cycle because if you're not making more money, you can't actually invest more marketing dollars. If you're not investing more marketing dollars, then you have to cut costs somewhere else. And so it's this flywheel of they don't know which one to do, especially if they're in the middle of a growth stall, you know, changing the tires on a car as it's going around the track is much more difficult than thinking about it, taking a pit stop, thinking about a formula race or a NASCAR race, like take a pit stop, let the crew come and fix the car and make sure it's totally optimized for the next hundred laps. And that next hundred laps might be the next quarter, the next week, the next month, the next year but you have to take those pit stops. So, you know, that's that not look, looking for one thing. When, when that car pulls into the pit stop, it is not one thing. They change all the tires. They change the oil. They fill up the gas tank. They make sure the driver's hydrated. You know, they do a lot of things in that minute and a half or that 40 seconds or 18 seconds. So you, you have to just keep that in mind. Um, the, the flip of that, though, right, they're looking for the one thing. We just talked about that. But the, but the flip of that is that, they don't actually have the information, and so they're not able to actually answer the question. That they look at me like, don't know. What was the most successful promotion you did in the last twelve months? Well, I really liked this one. No, 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 that's not what I said, right? That's not <laughs> Very what you different like. answer. Very it's like different. which was the most successful? Like, where'd you leave your keys last? <laughs> and uh, well, I know I've left them in. You know, I've left them here. I've left them there. No, no, no. Where'd you leave them last? And, and sometimes they just don't remember uh, and not expected to. And that's why capturing this information today is so important. And now with the advent of cloud, it's, it's much more affordable for even small home office businesses all the way up to enterprises to do those things. Yeah, I know Salesforce has some great options for very small businesses to get on board to where you can start capturing the data instead of just a Word document or a spreadsheet. Because the easier that it is to do reports on things, the quicker it is for you to pivot if you need to pivot. Yeah, and te- technology is one of the things, but not the only thing. Right. Okay, and it, on that thought, but not the only thing. On that thought, we're going to go to our last commercial break. We're here with Tiffany Bova. Use of the following audio file without express written consent is prohibited. The Minutemen answered the call during the American Revolution. Now, Minuteman Press answers the call with custom print and design services designed to promote your business like nobody's business. They lead the charge, but never overcharge for great design, promotional materials. Minuteman Press in Vero Beach and now in Port St. Lucie. Ready to answer the call. Google Minuteman Press or visit pslminutemanpress.com. Spinnaker Suds and Shine Car Wash is open 24-7. Try their brand new Shine Tech Soft Wash. Your car will never want to leave. Thursday is Ladies' Day. Take $2 off the new Shine Tech Soft Wash. Spinnaker Suds and Shine on 12th Street between Old Dixie and US1 in Bureau. Spinnaker Suds and Shine. Google it. If I told you about an individual who owns his own business in town here and does a great job when it comes to home theaters, house music, cabinetry design, video surveillance, simplified control solutions for your entire house, Sunshine Audio Video, Paul Tanner. 
He's the owner designer, and he is fabulous. You can, of course, go to Sunshine. Uh, eav.com or call him at 240-2663-772-240-2663 featuring Elite by Pioneer and Denon by Marantz uh, True Audio, Samsung he's fantastic Sunshine Audio Video celebrating 20 years of consistently exceeding client expectations home theater, house music, cabinetry design video surveillance, simplified control solutions for the entire house he's fantastic Paul Tanner, owner, designer 772-240-2663 240-2663 Sunshine Audio Video Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. I need a two-hour-long show, everybody, because I have so many more questions. Tiffany, if we talked about context. We talked about combination. What we didn't talk yet in your book is about sequence, how important it is to do certain things in a certain sequence for the greatest success. And you talk about this brilliantly in your book, Growth IQ. Talk to me about sequence and why it's important and what people can begin to think about. Yeah, this was sort of the third leg uh, of the session. So if you think about what I tried to do in this framing of Growth IQ, the first thing is understanding the context. Then you're able to understand which path it is that you should choose uh, for growth not to ignore the fact that it may not be one path, it may be a combination. But the third part of this, and really one that I think is the most important, is the sequence in which you do it or the timing in which you do it. So one of the stories I give in the book is uh, McDonald's uh, all-day breakfast. And they had been hearing for almost well over a decade that customers wanted an Egg McMuffin all day. And they just didn't do it. And they didn't do it for a number of reasons. It wasn't because they just didn't want to listen to their customers. It was a lot of operational things that needed to happen in order to make that a reality. And so here they were in a long-term growth stall. It had been a number of years, and so they made the decision to uh, open up all-day breakfast. So they could have just done it Friday, made the decision Monday morning, said we're going to do a major national uh, ad campaign, and we're going to offer all-day breakfast. And it would have completely failed. Number one, the kitchen couldn't have handled it. The grill needed to be changed. They actually needed a second grill. There was all kinds of things that they needed to do to reorganize the kitchen, retrain the staff, uh, reduce the menu because the menu had gotten heavily inflated, um, which was slowing down the lines and customer satisfaction was being impacted, which we talked about a little bit ago, right? You just can't look at one thing. It's this combination of things. So they needed to combine all those things at the same time, fixing the kitchen, reducing the menu, uh, retraining, in order to launch the all-day breakfast. So when they did it, it had to come after they had done those things. Had they done it before, it would have failed. So that's a very quick and easy example about sequence and and why it's important. Yet one of your paths to growth is unconventional strategies. So if you're doing something completely unconventional, like nobody's ever seen before, sort of like how Red Bull became so big, and even Amazon. They were doing stuff that nobody had ever done. Daniel Burris talks about anticipating the new um, environments that are going to go on. How critical is following a set of sequences if you're trying to be completely unconventional? Does it still prove out? Yeah, well, that depends. You know, if you are a company of size, 
then you could potentially pilot something unconventional to see how it would be received by the market. In you know in a in a target market, so it could be regionally like we're only going to try it in this. I mean, as you see with fast food chains, you know where they'll try a particular meal in a particular market for a period of time and test it. And if it works, then they'll say, okay, well, should we go national with this or should we just leave it um, in this regional decision? And so, if you're large enough to do those kinds of tests, then I think unconventional works. If you're really small, you know, would you would I advise you to bet the business on something unconventional? I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would tell you to find growth in what you're doing right now, if you can, in in some way, and, and it could be changing paths, it could be combining it differently, could be you know slowing down a little bit so that you can ultimately speed up, get a little bit more momentum behind you so that you can get some extra money and extra funds in order to test something. But to just bet the business on unconventional, if you're in a growth stall, is, is a little risky for me. Okay. So looking at the past, and I know we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the show, how do you know when you're in your business, when to say when on the path you're on? I, I, I know we talked about it, but I want to make sure we talk about this a little bit further because so many of my listeners including myself in different areas of my business we just think oh I have to stay on this but you don't know when to say it's not working or it's at its limits at this point we need to pivot to something else yeah that's why understanding the data and having the information so if you say you know we've been selling this for you know five dollars for the last three years and we sell about a hundred a week. I'm just, you know, making up an example, right? And now all of a sudden it's 98 a week and it's 95 a week, it's 92 a week and it's 90 a week. And you're like, okay, let's make it 450. And then it's 95 a week and then it's 89 a week and then you make it $4. And you know, the moment it started to go from a hundred and you literally start to see a consistent decline, that's that signal that, huh, Maybe that's not the right price. Maybe it's not in the right place in the store. Maybe we don't have the right promotion around it. Maybe it's not the right product anymore. The category is slowing down overall. And those are the questions you need to ask yourself. But if you don't have that kind of data, the only time you know you're really in trouble is when you have 100 units that are still sitting on the shelf a week later and no one's buying it. (laughs) And then you're like, wow, when did that happen? Well, it happened 12 weeks ago (laughs) when... You know, something happened that some new product was launched by a competitor that now customers are now looking for that product and no longer the one you have. So those are those signals that you need to be listening to. But like I said, it's really hard to catch those signals as the car is going around the track 100 miles an hour. That's why systems and and, uh, technology and data can really help alert you of those things so that you're not having to physically pay attention. But the biggest thing is at some point you need to stop and pay attention. <laughs> yes, and, and I think that that's what gets hard. Uh, you know, it, it, is, it is absolutely the responsibility of an owner, of a leader, and this goes back to the mental model, to find the time, you know, daily or at least weekly where you're reflecting on what are the things that are going on in the business. Really look at the numbers. Talk to people. Go talk to the front line, you know, meaning your sales or your customer service reps. Go meet with customers. There's nothing more valuable than meeting with customers and hearing it from them directly. 
you know, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, you know, that's not running a business. That's not running a team. You know, that's not running an organization. You have to have time to actually do the work and, and to pay attention to what's happening. We're getting really close to the end of the show, so I want to make sure we share, because I've had some people um, on my cell phone going, hey, how do we, where do we get her book, and how do we reach out to Tiffany if we have any questions or follow-up? So share how people can get Growth IQ and how they can reach out to you. Well, I've been really fortunate to uh, work with a fantastic publisher and portfolio, and my book hopefully is almost everywhere. So it's <laughs> You know, retailers across the country, uh, it's also in London and the UK, uh, and it's kind of in uh, the Commonwealth, uh, if you will. Um, but then you can get the Kindle version of it. You also can get the auto version of it, which is my voice, uh, reading my book, which was an interesting process. And then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm fairly active socially, at Tiffany underscore Bova, and link, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, or TiffanyBova.com has got a, a bunch of information as well. Okay, and you've got that other portion of the site just for the book, TiffanyBova.com slash GrowthIQ, correct? Correct. All right, because I know you said you're going to put a lot of questions up there, and since this show is all about the questions, I love questions that get people thinking. So uh, what, me too. Yeah, I know. Isn't that so much fun? I mean, it just really triggers the, the thought processes. Last thought you'd like to share with my listeners? That, you know, I, I think that, I would love everybody who's listening that has felt a little uneasy about growth to to just know that they're not alone, that this is a very common problem from very small organizations to the largest companies in the world. Uh, Business is just more complicated and more competitive than ever, and so it really is up to you to take the time to, to figure out what's the best way for you to navigate the future, and hopefully Growth IQ will be the way to help you do that. And I think it totally is. My copy's totally dog-eared. I think it's a book that everybody should be reading. It, it even applies to life in a lot of ways. Um, it's some of the same philosophies, but if you have a business, everybody should get Growth IQ. So I really, really want to thank you for being on the show with me today, Tiffany. Oh, well, you know, thank you for having me. It's This has been an amazing journey, and it's been so fantastic that people from, you know, a decade, 15, 20 years ago uh, are still willing to support my work. So I, I just appreciate you and appreciate you for having me on the show. And one of the things I miss about um, being still owning my tech company is getting to hear you on stages as often as I used to because you always challenged me to think differently. And I think that's what it's all about, really, is having to think differently if you want to grow your business. Don't just get stuck in a rut. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here on the listening to me again. Um, Tiffany Bova, who I've known for a long time, finally, finally, finally wrote her book. And okay, I'm just hearing that the clocks were wrong, and I've got three minutes left. So, Tiffany, I want to. I thought I had 30 seconds, and no, now Mr. B is saying 30 seconds, not three minutes. It's one of those days. It's live radio, everybody. So you never know what's going to happen. Here's what surprised me about this book. It challenged me in a way I hadn't before and made me actually think back to stuff that was going on in my business I hadn't seen before. So I love that about um, a book when it even makes you think back in the past to how you can improve your future. Remember, everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. Everyone, hug someone you love, and most of all, grow.